Back here on Sports 1140 KHDK, Jason Ross here with you, getting ready for Kings and Memphis Grizzlies game night at the bottom of the hour, the high flyer. And Scott Marsh will have that for you coming up here in about 30 minutes. But let's learn more about these Memphis Grizzlies as we check in with wow. the radio. Listen to the pipes. Well, look at, I mean, it's, it's, it's like I've never done this before. It, it does help when you turn the mic on, on button. Yeah, it, it, the red light means it's on, yes. right? What's up, Eric? Eric Hassel's I mean, this is your fault. You were the one who trained me back at UC Davis, so I blame you for that mistake. I didn't know how to do anything. I still don't. Do you remember us doing reel-to-reel stuff on yes. commercials? Yes. I was oh, actually God. just telling someone that the other day, and they're, like, looking at me crazy. I go, like, no, what, was... is, what is that? No, like, we actually did it on reel-to-reel, like, yeah. Cut tape and chalk. Tape. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, that yeah. was me, Jason. I, that was you, Chris. Thank and then you. we had the carts, and if you put the carts too close to the demagnetizer, your commercial was gone. <laughs> yes. Like, my God, I spent like two hours making that. Now you take them like thirty seconds; they're done. Yeah, everything digital. Everything. It's easier. It's an easier world. It's it, but more complex. These the young time. kids don't know squat, <laughs> Ross, about having to come up in the lower, basement of fourteen lower east or lower Freeborn Hall. Well, you and I have played, and Scott Marsh over here too has yeah. played enough basketball. I was thinking we might have to play for the Kings tonight, which uh, would be bad. But you know, I used to shoot half court shots at our shoot around, and Chris Wallace, our former former GM, like was kidding with me once because in Utah. Because the stands in Utah are, like, basically right behind the basket, yeah. it feels like you're shooting a top-of-the-key jump shot. So I made, like, 8 out of 10, and I won him three lunches with guys that were betting against me at the time, you know, because we, we don't gamble or anything you know, on no, the side. No, no. Just um, but he said, man, I had to just give you a 10-day, and I said, all I want is one shot. Yeah. If I get one shot in a game, you cannot take me out of the NBA record books. You go to NBA, like basketballreference.com, there will be one game played, zero for one, because I guarantee I'm going to miss it. And what it's if it's half-court? Uh, still going to guarantee I'm going to miss it because what we forget is these athletes out here, they don't want anybody that looks yeah. like us to, <laughs> to show them up. So yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure it would get swatted into the, the second row of the other baselines. So. Yeah. I've always loved that when it's, oh, I could go out there. No, you can't. No. You I, can't. When I got to Memphis, I, I would hear this all the time. There was a Memphis legend, a guy named Jimmy Hunter. His nickname is Snap. So his name was Snap Hunter. And Snap was legendary. I mean, could just absolutely score the basketball. Like, one of those, like, kind of Hook Mitchell street-type uh-huh. legends from down the road. But Snap actually played in college. And I would get calls when I had a radio show, Jimmy Snap Hunter's the next Allen Iverson. I said, let me explain something to you. NBA general managers are not in the business of not finding the next Allen Iverson. If exactly. Jimmy Snap Hunter was truly the next Allen Iverson, he would have a jersey. Now, Snap had some issues off the court that maybe prevented him from reaching his full potential, but he actually got a, a training camp deal with Cleveland while we were still in the pyramid. He came and played a preseason game. I was like, the guy's good. Like, he can play. He's, mm-hmm. He could easily make a living playing basketball. Um, but everybody swore he should be an NBA All-Star and that he should be our starting point guard over Jason Williams. I said, well, now you're just dumb. Yeah, exactly. Now you're just insane. So, <laughs> I mean, believe me. Yeah. Well, so, things good? Things good in your world? Yeah, man. Uh, I can't complain. My, I, It's hard to fathom how far it's come. My daughter is uh, a senior at Rio Americano, and she's going to graduate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's going to graduate in June. My son turned 10 yesterday. Man. And he's, uh, he's testing the waters of what he wants to do with sports. He's, he's, a, he's a pretty good little baseball player, played football this year for tackle for the first time. We did flag up until then and uh, playing basketball with a, a pretty good organization out there that has an A and a B team. He's on the B team, but his jump shot's pretty getting pretty good. So it's fun being a dad. It was fun last year not traveling because I got to coach him uh, in all three sports, and that was really enjoyable for me because my dad did that for me, but now it's back to reality, and, the, like, all three organizations came back. So do you want to coach again? I said, where, do you, where am I going to make practice? Yeah. So it's – 
It's How'd fun you do with that, like, by the way? Is it, were you dad or were you coach? Or were you, did you find the? Oh, no, I was, uh, I was coach, and okay. I was harder on him. I mean, I had other parents actually telling, having to console my son because <laughs> they're like, hey, he's just tough on you because he loves you. This yeah. is what dads do. I, I played no favorites. In fact, um, so in our league, there were 15, 14 teams. 14 teams, it's a really well-run youth rec league. There's a lot of competitive baseball, too, which scares me because, like, to see how good the the rec league was, that the, the competitive players are even better, and it's it's just a high level of baseball. It reminds me a lot of California. Uh-huh. Um, and I went and we had, so for our league, for the 9- and 10-year-olds, because they don't travel, you have a 9-year-old all-star game and a 10-year-old. My son was playing his 9-year-old. And I went to my assistant coaches. I said, I, I'm not picking him. If you guys think he's a deserving nine-year-old, you pick him. I'm not. My vote is not counting for this. So he made it. He was pretty consensus as our our best nine-year-old with that group, and um, he did really well. And I, I was super proud. He put a lot of work in, you know. And that's and cool. That's, it, it, he he was very unlike his father, who just kind of <laughs> sat around at practice, yeah. and told jokes and 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 sat the bench because of it. So hey, every team needs one of those guys. Yeah. Well, you know, I I, I finally you started to figure girl. out the more we played, as the better you got was when we were playing pickup ball out at uh, out at Willow. Creek, so, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm trying to understand. Well, one, I know we'll yeah, get into tonight's game. I know, I know what you're going to ask about. <laughs> um, how does this happen? Yeah. Nine out of ten without your best player, right? Yes, that's it. Um, and it started with the Kings. Yeah. Well, first of all, let's start there and and talk about what happened that night because I think it's a common trend. We've faced a lot of teams that are missing guys. Now, obviously, we're missing our best player, yes. John Morant. And I say we. I don't, I don't ever suit up. I wish I did because I'd love that paycheck. But um, our guys have played without jaw since the, the a game the Friday after Thanksgiving where it was – and and Jason, I was scared that he was done for the year. The yeah. way it happened, he planted his left knee. And the way he, he reacted. Lame, the way he reacted, he went right back to the locker room. And Jaw's a gamer. Jaw's gotten banged up. I mean, he's 6'2", 185 pounds, and he's hit the, the ground like someone, you know, body slammed him in a, in a wrestling match. Um, and he was clearly in discomfort. And, and that's one of those where you're like, oh, no, because that's his game, is explosiveness. Dribble, penetration, hang in the air, absorb contact, which is r- remarkable to me on a night-in, night-out basis. Some of the shots he, he takes to his body from the defender and yet makes the actual shot of the basketball. Um, and and the team just kind of – they held in for a minute. It happened early in the ball game, and then it just – they let go of the rope, and Trey Young and the Hawks couldn't miss that night. So we were really worried about that Kings game. But if you remember back, you guys were missing a bunch of players, mm-hmm. and it's kind of been the trend. They they knocked off Sacramento. Then Oklahoma City came in without Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and it, it's just one of those nights I'll never forget early in my career getting to work with Hubie Brown as our head mm-hmm. coach. And he said, you know, and that grab, we went, hey, there's mm-hmm. 10 games a year you're going to lose no matter what, okay? And then there's 10 games a, w- a year you're going to win, okay? And then it's the other 62 that tell you whether you suck or whether you're going to be good. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. Well, that was one of our 10. Yeah. And we just didn't miss. They didn't make a shot. And it was, you know, a record-setting night. So um, you catch Dallas without Luka and Kristaps Porzingis, the one loss in this in this run is Dallas coming back to Memphis with Uh those two guys. And honestly, the Grizzlies played well enough to win that night. Mm -hmm. Just didn't make any shots. I mean, shots that Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks are making regularly from 10 feet and in missing all over the place, you know, just not anywhere near um, where they could be. And and I think Taylor Jenkins said they counted on the tape and felt like they missed 10 or 11 shots that, that you feel confident they make on a regular basis. So it's really started with the defense. Um, 
you're catching some teams at the right time. You've got a couple of teams on second nights of back-to-backs. And then you've really found guys to, that have just taken this next man up mentality that the coaching staff has preached since the day they got here. So um, guys like John Conchar, who maybe a lot of people don't know, and, and I, I gave you this nugget, but I'm going to steal it back. In the last 13 games, he's the first player in NBA history over a 13-game span. And granted, he's not taking 15 shots a night, but he's the first player in NBA history over 13 games to shoot over 70% from not only the field, but also beyond the three-point line. Wow. And so he's just not missing. So when he's getting his five or six shots, he's making four or five of them. That matters. Uh, a guy like Killian Tilly, who was at Gonzaga and was thought to be a potential first-round pick before he had a knee injury, starting to get back to where he can play, giving some uh, some solid minutes off of the bench. And then you, you talk about the other guy stepping up. Jaron Jackson Jr. seems to have kind of got his flow back from – when he was in the bubble, and, and you remember that stretch, he was having a monster mm-hmm. game against Portland, single-handedly keeping the Grizzlies in a game early in the bubble, and he tears his left you know, meniscus. And it's it's one of the meniscus tears that took longer to heal than expected. So he didn't come back till the end of last year. It didn't really look comfortable for him. didn't look comfortable early. He's starting to recognize mismatch. So go back to that Kings game. That was where it kind of clicked. You guys had guys that are six 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 seven guarding him and Jaron's right. a legit seven feet tall with a seven four wingspan he's like well I don't need to shoot on the perimeter I'm just mm-hmm. gonna take this guy into the lane and then that'll open the perimeter and so he's figured it out Steven Adams role has been you know more clear-cut defined for him he's filling it up and then uh, I think the smartest thing that, that Taylor Jenkins did knowing that DeAnthony Melton who looks more like a true point guard than Desmond Bain but they sent Desmond Bain to summer league this year to learn how to facilitate the offense. That was his one purpose of being in Las Vegas with the summer league group because they knew he could play. Yeah. They didn't need to see him go against, you know, the guys that are trying to make a name for themselves. But they said, what we don't know is if you can run our offense. And so he did. And they kept DeAnthony Melton off the ball, inserted Tyus Jones into the starting lineup. And you'll see it tonight. So the first sub comes in. It's DeAnthony Melton. He doesn't come get Tyus Jones. He goes and gets Desmond Bain. Now, Bain comes out, and he's the next sub off the bench in that rotation. Jones comes out, and that's a difference because John Morant will play a lot of the first quarter. Tyus comes in, but the first sub would be DeAnthony Melton, and he would go in for Desmond Bain. Ja would have the ball in his hands. So it's a combination of a a lot of things, and and literally what always amazes me with this group, and, you know, they've had some very lopsided, very wrong end of the spectrum losses, and they got – uh, quite frankly, they they got angry about it. Uh, they weren't playing up to their defensive potential, and so they locked in that way. But they are resilient. The, the game in Portland a couple of nights ago showed that. They fall behind 13-4 to start. That's something they're not used to. They come back and outscore, I think, Portland 43-26 to before the end of the first half. So they have an eight-point lead, and it very easily could have been 14. Portland comes out and just blitzes them in the third quarter. They're not taking care of the ball. They kind of got a little lackadaisical. And yet a couple of hustle plays towards the end of the third quarter, they cut the lead to two. And in the fourth quarter, they just they just kicked it into another gear. And that's what their next step is, being in a game, kicking it up a notch, and either just burying your opponent underneath a deficit already or being able to come back and erase a deficit. And if they get to that point, I, I mean, I don't want to sound like a homer, but I think they can be dangerous. I think mm. they can be a really dangerous team in the West. I don't think they're at the level of Golden State or Phoenix, even though they beat Golden State. They got drummed by Phoenix, but they beat Utah and Utah. And I think they're starting to believe that they belong in that conversation of a top five Western Conference team, considering the injuries to Denver and some of the other teams and considering that the Lakers are kind of rolling through things, but with a very veteran-laden roster that doesn't 
really lock in until we get into like February and March. Yeah. Um, on the, I know the way this works. I don't know if this is happening in Memphis. I hope it's not. Are people there going? Well, we're better without Jaw. Mm-mm. Good. No. Okay. Because they're playing well no, without him. He's 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 special. And and you know, I find myself sometimes because. Like here in those early years in, you know, 90, 98, 99, 99, 2000, 2000, 2001, where people were just getting a taste of who, like Jason Williams was. People knew Chris Webber because he was number one overall pick. I mean, people who knew who Ja Morant was because he was the number two pick, but not a lot of people saw him play at Murray State. Then you see him dunking, and a lot of people, for I get questions, well, you know, what's his game like? I get that. So I got caught. I was, I was trying to tell someone that's, that's you know, kind of, coming up in the right and say hey keep an eye on our guys like like i don't know who john morant is i'm like you gotta okay look it wasn't meant disrespectfully it was meant as hey not a lot of attention gets thrown memphis's way for good reason one even though we were a good team we weren't fun to watch that that wasn't going to get you tv ratings to watch zach randolph and marcus all grind you down and beat you 92 to 88 you know so they didn't get a lot of national tv attention and then they weren't very good and now you get a guy, and no one's quite sure what he is, and he's just a highlight reel. But you're still not seeing a ton of national television time. But I think a lot of people have now recognized that this kid can really go. They've never had a superstar like this, a guy that you can just pencil in as he goes along as an all-star every year, barring just either a, a terrible start to the season or an injury. Tonight will be unique in many ways. Yeah, I'm actually uh, surprised we're playing. I am too. Now, we... As of now, we think the Kings will have eight. They may have more. Chemezi Metu is out there at the free throw line shooting. He was listed as questionable. And I'm saying this being vulnerable in front of you and our audience. There is someone warming up for the Kings shooting a three right now, a lefty. I don't know who that is. Yeah. I don't know if they just signed him or. I think, isn't that the guy that you brought up from the G League? No, it's not even uh, Ramsey or Kada or any or Woodard. It's I, I don't know who that is. I thought they were going to sign a guy with the emergency exemption. I okay, know. and that I have to look up. Because yeah, I, don't, I don't know either. I yeah. He's got a nice shot. Yeah. Harrison good. Barnes is now warming up. Yeah. You guys, besides Jaw, that's the obvious one. Uh, Brandon Clark's out, right? He was, yeah, he was he's been really knee good. soreness, and it's, it's, you know, it's funny. It's, Brandon's a tough guy but and, and was really playing well. It, it was kind of a toss-up between Brandon and a guy named Xavier Tillman. Uh, who were kind of filling in those backup big minutes. Brandon really kind of established himself as as playing a little bit better. And and to Xavier's credit, he basically said, I, I get it. I, I'll, I'll have to work harder. And he has come in and not missed a beat. He played terrific in Portland. And uh, But Brandon's left knee, just it's just been sore. And, and they don't, you know, with a guy who relies on that bounce, as the, as the young people say, mm-hmm. the, the athletic ability to play his game, they did not want to um, – they, they did not want to, to, to really risk that. So I, hopefully he'll come back soon. I know Brandon has some family and friends in the area as well, and they'd love to see him play, but hopefully it'll be the, uh, the, the next time we see him in like nine days when this wacky schedule continues and we, we go back home tomorrow to play a back-to-back Sunday, Monday, and then turn around and come right back to play the Warriors on the 23rd and you guys on the 26th and the Suns on the 27th. I, I don't. I was asking this question. I don't expect you to have the answer, Eric, but I don't know your opinion. Mean, I don't know if I was commissioner, so I don't know what to do. I mean, because some would say, shut it down. My okay. opinion, yeah. But uh, I don't know. What what would you do? I, I think looking at the Grizzlies' schedule, and we talked about this before we hit the, the airwaves, I think that if you really break it down, the Grizzlies only have one more trip west of the Rockies. And they're done with Portland. They only have one in Phoenix, and that's the night after the game here on the 26th, on the 27th. So you can't squeeze another game against Sacramento in there because the Grizzlies have to go home and play the 29th and 31st at home. Uh, you come back out. That one trip is to Los Angeles. We leave on a Wednesday. It's either a Wednesday or a Thursday, and then you play Friday, Saturday, or Thursday, Friday, back-to-back. 
have to turn around and come right back because you have you start a four game homestand the next day, like after the the day off. Mm-hmm. So unless you want a team to play three nights in a row, or unless you think, hey, maybe send them out. And I don't know if the Kings are playing on the 22nd. Maybe send them out the 21st and have them play the Kings the 22nd, bus to San Francisco, mm. play the Warriors the 23rd, turn around, bus back to Sacramento. I, I don't know if the scheduling would have worked for it unless you moved it back towards April. And if you moved right. it back towards April where the Grizzlies are going to be out to play Utah and Denver towards the end of the season, or as I thought, if the Grizzlies are going to be in the top six and you see that, you could have postponed this and kind of waited Whereas then they can come out for one game if need be. If need be, well, I think you play it because you got to keep everything 82. on the up and up. Yeah. But you know, I I, I I fully believe that the Kings are going to be in the mix. I think they're better than Houston. I think they're better than Oklahoma City. I think they're better than San Antonio. I think they're better than New Orleans. And I think right now they're playing much better than the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, Alvin Gentry six and six. The Blazers have lost seven straight games and look to be in a really difficult position right now to make a decision of what they're going to do moving forward so i think that you could very well see the kings be the 10 minnesota be the nine uh and then the, the other eight remain the same as where they are and I, I think portland could be the team kind of looking to break it down and build it back up which i don't think they that they're going to do here and even though it's been a little bit of a struggle as of late and i hear it from kings fans all the time you're still six and six in your last 12 Got off to a little bit of a slow start. Yeah. You beat a, a pretty solid Washington team mm-hmm. that's been playing good basketball the other night. So when healthy and not going through what they're going through right now with Fox and Barnes and, and you know, I, I think Holmes is such a big piece yeah. to it. Buddy Heald coming off the bench. They've got the talent to be in that top ten. So if the Grizzlies were not going to be outside of six, it wouldn't matter. You could come back and then fly right back to Memphis and take your time off like everybody did, waiting for the play-in tournament to be over. Right. Then the playoffs start. So that's where I would look, but you can't predict these things. And then all, all you would need to do is go, okay, Memphis, you've got to fly to Sacramento this day. Then you got to turn around and fly home and host the the seven eight game, right? Or the or play on the road the eight seven game, and you just don't know where it's going to be. Yeah, that's what we. I mean, I don't know that we felt good about saying this, but the post game the other night after they beat Washington, it was we knew Gentry was out for a COVID situation that night, health and safety, and then Marvin Bagley and Terrence Davis. We said we, we'd be naive to think there won't be more, and then more became bang. Right. Now is more. The Kings also play now uh, Sunday and Monday, so the, you know they skated through. They're playing tonight. But is tomorrow's testing going to reveal more? They, that's the fluid nature of this, Eric. I mean, the Kings played Charlotte and Charlotte, and they had seven guys out. But then I think it was the next day we hear, oh, the Bulls are canceling two games because I think they got up to ten. Right. So I, 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 the league is in a really tough spot. And, and on the same day where they add, the Nets are comfortable adding an unvaccinated, an unvaccinated player, player to, to play the on the road. Yeah. And what is going on? I, I just – it's hard to right. – I mean, we're just in such unprecedented times, yes. Jay, and it's it's – it's tough because, you know, look, I, I'm i not going to get into whether or not people want to get the vaccination sure. or not. That's, to me, a personal choice. Um, I travel with the team, so I have it, and I, I, but I got mine later because I was worried if there were after effects when we were playing the way we were last year that if I couldn't call a game, nobody could call it. We mm-hmm. didn't have anybody else. So I waited and got it. Yeah. I didn't have any ill effects, so now I'm waiting for the booster, but I test on a regular basis mm-hmm. because of it. Um, but, you know, that's it, it's just at some point you've got to think about what's best for everybody involved in the league. And I think that's where 
our organization was going like we were surprised, I think, around the horn that the game was going to happen, not because we didn't want to play. We'd love to play. Right. I mean, you'd be a fool not to want to play a team yeah. that's that's Yeah, it's short-handed. a great chance yeah, of win. a win. Wins are wins. Yep. You stockpile as many as you can get. And I, it, by no means is it going to be easy because right. even if you only play with eight guys, those eight guys have an NBA jersey for a reason. Absolutely. So don't take it lightly. But I think they're more f- fearful that if, if you get out there, and Brevin Knight said it to me best, the former Stanford guard who's on our television broadcast, he said, it's not the fear of being in the building or anything like that. It's, it's that your guys are out on the court getting physical, breathing, sweating, being around other guys. It, to, not to sound gross, but spit is flying. Sure. Things are out there that you just don't want to be in that contact if you can avoid it because, like you said, you'd be naive to think only one guy in a locker room is going to get it. These guys are in locker rooms together. Planes, They're in practices yeah. together. They're in planes together. So, again, it's not an enviable position for the league, and I, I, I hate it that we have to go through it again, but I think we're going to see another another round of this about mid-January mid when people – are done with Christmas and New Year's like they just got done three weeks ago, two weeks ago with Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. So, it, yeah. it follows kind of the way the world goes, too. Yeah, it's exactly. Exact, exact same trend. Exactly. Well, uh, it's great to see you. I'm glad you're here. You're going to be here soon. So where are you, uh, where are you for Christmas? You're here? Are you uh, no, Christmas we're going to go Day? back home. Yeah, I'm actually, we're going to stay in San Francisco, I think, the 24th, bus up the 25th. It's, it's gotcha. really exciting for me because, you know, it's been almost two years since I've seen my daughter, and because of all the shutdowns and because of the way things were, it just right. wasn't that, you know, I didn't want to put her in a bad spot getting on a plane. And so I was respectful of, of the way she wanted to, to go about her day-to-day life. So uh, super proud of her. She, she's, like I said, a senior at Rio, got great grades, already gotten into a couple of schools, waiting to hear from a couple others that she uh, got that from her mom. 100%. 100%. I slipped in the back door at Davis, and I'm still pretty convinced they're going to call me and ask for the the uh, yeah. the, the, the degree back at some point. But, uh, yeah, so it's it's been good. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's tough to be away from uh, from my son on the holidays, but he understands. His birthday was yesterday. We yeah. FaceTimed, and he's he's just a, he's a good kid. So everything's good. I hope you yeah. and Oliver are doing well. Absolutely. I will tell you this. If any of my friends are out there listening, we actually had some extra tickets. If you have my phone number, and you want to come to the game? Text, shoot me a text. I will. I will give the number. No, no, we are not doing that. <laughs> that number is. There's going to be somebody out there that has an axe to grind with me from yeah. some day on a basketball court where That's I was funny. acting like a moron, and you know that was uh, that was many a day in our day. <laughs> well, I did see our buddy Steve Tebbs though, and many. Oh, that's right. He said he actually. Uh, uh, he called me that day, I think, when he uh, he had seen you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's good to see you, man. Yeah, you too. You too. So yeah. I, I, I listen to you guys on a regular basis. I think uh, I think you guys are doing a great job. And I, you know, if I had one thing to say, it's it's always fun to come back home. It's always special to see you, to see Scott, to see Scott Moke down on the mm-hmm. court. And, and you know, I know it's been a, a rough go, but you know, this is such a great fan base. Just stick with these guys and, and yeah. give the players. You know, whatever your feelings are about what's happened and how it's going, the players are the ones that that need to hear the the cheers and the and the support, and, and I know it's in this community and it's in people's lives. I mean, I'm literally sitting around lunch today and hearing people joke about it, and that to me tells me people still care. Because yeah. if you don't care, you're not talking about right. it. And so right. I think people still care, and I think that, you know, there, there's some pieces here that you can build around. There's some things that obviously need to be fixed, but it's such a beautiful facility and, and, and such a, a great fan base. I, I'm really hoping this can turn back towards where you and I kind of mm-hmm. cut our teeth in the beginning of the league and, and had some amazing days over at Old Sleep Train back then, Arco Arena, yeah. and, and it gets back to that. Because I, I envision one day I would love it, even though my daughter will probably be gone by then um, and off to college because I don't know that it will happen this year. Maybe it will. 
a, a playoff series oh, where we great. can actually spend some time together. Playoffs, playoffs. <laughs> you know that that would always that was always my hope, and, and yet we drew like Oklahoma City, the Clippers, or the Spurs every year. I got so yeah. sick of the the River Ditch, <laughs> Bricktown, and and downtown L.A. I yeah. can't even begin to tell you. Yeah. Well, have a great call tonight. Great Thanks, to see you. I know we're going to see you again soon, too. Yeah. So uh, happy holidays and all that, and uh, have fun tonight. I look forward to seeing you in about seven days. Give my best to Alva and Jackson Buck. I will, and we'll see if we can figure out who that lefty was shooting for the Kings. Please let me we, know. I, I, can you get a bio up? We're all going to have to Can you get a bio up to the broadcast table sometime <laughs> soon, please? Stat. Yep. All right. Thank you, E. Thanks, man. That's Eric Hasseltine. That's it for us. We hope you enjoyed our broadcast today. We are done. Uh, game night's coming your way next. Scott Marsh, the high flyer. Henry Turner have that, and then we're back at 630 for Kings Live pregame. Uh, Thank you so much for listening right here on Sports 1140 KHDK.